Welcome to the Farming Basics Podcast with Olivia Fuller. We'll have sustainable farming tips from growers across the state and extension specialists at Auburn University. All right, welcome back. It's Olivia Fuller and your co-host, Jacob Kelly. Today we have Caitlin Kesheimer, who is going to talk to us about hemp. The title of the podcast is, So You Want to Grow Hemp? Because that is a question that Jacob and I get a lot. So, Caitlin, what do you need to know before you get started? How much time do we have for this, Olivia? (laughs) So that is a really good question. Um, I try to tell people that they should have all their finances available, all their products, all their labels, all their budgets, um, and their end user. So they need to start you know, early and plan for an entire year before they dive in and get a license. It's a very complicated process on the regulatory side. And then on the agronomic side, we are still learning how to grow this plant and then what to do with it once it's harvested. So it's not the get-rich-quick scheme that most people think it is? No, um, it is not, unfortunately. And I tell people to not invest more than they are willing to lose because right now, y'all have uh, worked with Jessica Kelton, one of our farm and agribusiness agents. She's done some enterprise budgets for hemp, and it's very hard to stay in the positive. Um, With input costs, seed costs, all the labor that's required, this is not an automated crop like we think of when we think of other crops. Um, It's just very, very expensive. And the way the markets are now for hemp and the saturation in the market There is just a lot of product being sold for very little right now. Maybe touch on the processing plants. How how does that work here in Alabama? So here in Alabama, we have um, hemp growers and hemp processors. Um, The hemp processors are the ones that take the biomass from the field and turn it into a new product for the next step of this plant's life. Um, We have... Hemp grown for fiber, for grain, and for its floral components and essential oils. A lot of, the majority of hemp grown in Alabama is for its floral material. So we have um, floral hemp processors, and then we also have fiber hemp processors. And that's a completely different process. You're working with 14, 15, 16 foot tall plants that need to be separated with very difficult and expensive and easily breakable machinery. Whereas floral hemp is going to be much shorter and you have to remove the flowers from the plant and then you extract oils from those flowers. And so it's a very different process. We have more oil processors now than we did when we first started the program. So that's good, Um, but we still only have one fiber processor in the state, in Alabama. Should a grower focus on the fiber or the oil if they're just getting started and they don't have a preference? That's a really good question. It depends on their space and equipment. So fiber hemp is going to be grown more typically like a grain crop. Um, You can use uh, a drill seeder. You can use a lot of the equipment we have for grains. And then the harvesting is going to be maybe with some similar equipment with some modifications. So that's going to be much different than growing plants for floral material that are a lot higher input cost and labor because we don't have equipment. A lot of it's done manually, Um, hand planting transplants, hand planting seeds, hoeing weeds because we don't have herbicides that work, manually removing pests, pulling out diseased plants. 
manually harvesting with a machete or a weed whacker or whatever you have because it's a very different type of plant. And so I would encourage people to think about what is your goal with this crop? Are you trying to just make a profit? Do you want to diversify your field and add something new? But what what are you hoping to get out of this? And then we can kind of start the conversation of what type of this plant do you want to grow? You mentioned pest there. Well, how do you how do you even navigate that? I mean, there's pesticides, I know, but Sure. So that's a great question. We are still navigating it because hemp has not been grown in any uh, substantial acreage for 100 years. What we're growing in now in this environment is very different than 100 years ago. We also don't have modern research on insects and diseases and weeds, and we certainly don't have any sort of plant breeding program that's resistant or tolerant of pests. We don't have genetically modified hemp that can repel insects. So on our end, on the research, we're doing a lot of just surveys and trying to figure out what is a pest, what diseases can grow on hemp, what insects will feed and cause economic damage. We may find a lot of Japanese beetles on hemp like we do in our gardens, but they're not going to cause any sort of economic loss. We also see a lot of corn earworm, tomato fruit worm, cotton bollworm in hemp like we do in our gardens, and that's certainly going to cause a lot of economic loss. And so trying to figure out what is a pest, what is just kind of an incidental, and then what's a beneficial, and then putting that all into a you know fun little snow globe and trying to figure out how to control all of them is fun. There's different varieties of hemp. Are we going to use different varieties if we're going to grow for fiber versus floral components, or are we using the same varieties uh, but just treating them differently? So they're completely different varieties, yep. And then within the fiber or grain or floral hemp, there are different cultivars that we're still trying to figure out what works well here in Alabama. A lot of the genetics for hemp, whether it's fiber or floral hemp, are coming from much more northern regions, Canada, Pacific Northwest, Europe, and they haven't been tested down here in our hot, humid environment and and very, very wet, but also long growing season. And so before you even decide what variety, you need to know what type of plant you're growing because the the field prep, the seed spacing, the IPM plan is going to be different for all three types. Right. Okay. And so most of our growers are growing on plastic or are, the, are we doing some bare ground or does it depend on what your end game is? A lot of it depends on, in my experience, has been what people have available because there is not years of replicated research on what works best. So we've had it on black plastic, white plastic, bare ground, pots on the ground, pots in a high tunnel, plastic in a high tunnel, um, in a greenhouse. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. I would encourage people to look at their, their finances and what they can make work because any sort of outdoor hemp is going to be very, very susceptible to insects and diseases. Indoor hemp is also going to be susceptible, but a different set of insects and diseases. And with the different cultivars we have, we're not sure how they respond. There, there certainly may be some relationship between insect and disease susceptibility, but we're still working through that on the research side. Is there organic production in hemp? Yes. So you can grow it in a organically certified field. 
because of the wellness component associated with hemp and cannabinoids and CBD products, whether it's tinctures or oils or sleep aids or pet anxiety meds, a lot of companies and growers want to be able to market their product as organic because a lot of us know, like the general public thinks organic means pesticide-free. In the hemp world, there are some OMRI certified pesticides people can use. And there are some non-organic, but also biological pesticides. A lot of them don't work. They're, they're so soft and the pests we have here in Alabama are very, very difficult to control. So if you're growing outdoor hemp, I would anticipate spending a lot of mechanical removal time uh, because our pesticides don't work super well for the pests we have. Okay, so I have a question that might be a loaded question. Okay. Um, what about medicinal marijuana? So that's a great question. And just for some background, so we're all on the same page, when we're talking about hemp versus marijuana, it's the same species of plant, cannabis sativa, and the legal definition differentiating the two is that hemp has a lower than 0.3% THC limit. So anything higher than that is legally marijuana. And we also have medical marijuana that was approved in Alabama last year. So where we are right now in early 2022 is there is a committee. They are working on the regulatory side of things, but it's a separate group and license procedure than the hemp program. So in Alabama, anyone who wants to grow hemp can apply for a license, get approved, and grow if everything goes according to plan. Medical marijuana, there's going to be a limited number of licenses given out, and there's going to be some for grow and dispensing, and they're going to be a lot more expensive than a hemp license. And there are certain rules about you have to be an Alabama resident for a long period of time. Um, it has to be grown indoors. And so, but those haven't been released and we haven't had an application process yet. So if people are looking to get into medical marijuana, um, stay tuned. But all the meetings they have at the state level are public. And so you can go and check them out if you're interested. Do they have a timeline developed at this point? The original timeline was that licenses would be given out in September of 2022. We are now in March of 2022, and there's been no information on the application process or timeline. So my guess is we won't see licenses until at least 2023. So the earliest that people can start purchasing or getting subscriptions for prescriptions for medical marijuana would be 2023 or even 2024. Okay, that's very helpful because I have a lot of growers call and ask. Some of them are already growing CBD, some of them even Delta 8 products, and they think they're just going to leeway right into this medicinal marijuana world. Yes, that that seems to be a, a common thought. I, I don't know if many people are, are getting into hemp and then switching over to to Delta-8 production from that hemp and how that would impact medical marijuana. Um, but since you mentioned it, there are some also like weird legal rules about Delta-8. It's federally legal and Alabama has not banned it. They had a bill about a year ago to ban it and it did not get voted on. So where we are now is Delta-8 is legal in Alabama, but if you are growing and selling Delta 8 products, look at the other states that you may be dealing with or selling to because not all states you can do that because there are at the state level. Um, Texas is trying, New York is trying, 
and several others have banned Delta 8 products. Right. I know that there was the uh, fear of that with some of my growers. but Yeah, my, from what I hear, uh, that bill is not going to be put forth again. So we're in the clear. And as long as the DEA doesn't say anything, is as long as it's a hemp-derived product, and that would be Delta 8, then it's federally legal. Okay, that's very helpful. I guess circling back around, um, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see new hemp growers make, and how can they set themselves up for success? Oh, that's a great question. They dive in headfirst without doing their research and budgeting. I would encourage anyone who is not growing hemp to talk to one of the extension personnel throughout the state that has experience with it and talk to growers. There's a lot of networks of beginning and experienced cannabis growers in Alabama and other states. And a lot of people have seen dollar signs and seen a lot of CBD products, and they think that it's going to be an easy buck, and it's not. And so doing your research and knowing what you're in for is going to save you a lot of headache and money. And so that's the biggest mistake is is going in, investing too much money without correct information, and then losing a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, there's so many steps to this. It's not just farming. You're also potentially a processor. You're you're doing so many things. Sure. And it might not be worth it. Yeah. Um, and it's, we don't have, I don't have a handbook for how to grow all the different varieties of hemp that people are getting from all these different sources. And a lot of the players in the hemp world are not there to stay and not there to grow a good plant, but they're there to make a buck. And so vetting who you're working with, who you're buying your seeds and your clones from are going to be super important and super important, excuse me. And then at the end of the season, knowing who's going to buy your crop and having that process fleshed out and cover yourself legally. So make sure you have a legally binding contract because a lot of people with the oversupply of hemp biomass have been losing contracts because buyers will pull them. And so making sure it's legally binding and you can't have, you know, your buyer pull out at the last second. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen a lot of people this year with hemp and nowhere for it to go. Yep. How can they set themselves up for success, though, if they're just now getting started? So I have told everybody, unless you are dying to grow it this second, wait a little bit. Let us at here at Auburn University and other universities, Alabama State University is doing a lot of research, A&M, we have local data we are generating. Give us a couple years to figure out how to grow this crop so then we can set you up for success. We've had a series of hemp meetings every winter and fall for the last three years. I would encourage people to come to those meetings because even if you don't have an application in or you're not growing, you can learn about the process and plan ahead. You can also meet other growers and talk about who's really good in the business to work with, what has someone found that works really well for a fertilizer, and then we can figure out on the research end and do replicated trials. And so give us some time to figure out and maybe jump in in a couple years when the market has evened out, there's, you know, the shady people have left the business and, and what's left are just growers and who people who are passionate about the plants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the serious people will be left then. Yep. 
I have a question. So for our existing growers, if I have a plant with a suspected disease or problem with it, can I just cut that plant material off and send it to the diagnostics lab? Is there other steps that need to be followed? Should I get extension personnel out there to begin with so that they can handle the plant material? What are the steps for that? That's a great question. So First things first, if it is a suspected problem that we can't pinpoint, we would prefer to have the entire plant. So yes, you can certainly cut the whole thing down and mail it or bring it with a copy of your grower's license. So for if you get pulled over or if someone smells the plant in the mail, there is a copy of that grower license in there. Um, we can also have call your local extension agent. We have an extension license that allows us to transport plant material. And so if it's easier, we can make a site visit, take some plant samples, bring them back to the diagnostic lab and see if there's any sort of disease issue, nutrient deficiency, or insect problem that we can diagnose. But the easiest way is probably just to mail into the diagnostic lab with your grower's license. Right, right. Okay, well, I think those were some very helpful insights on the hemp world. Um, Thank you so much, Caitlin Kashimer, for coming in today and sharing some of this information with the growers because we do get a lot of questions. There's a lot of intrigue around hemp right now in the state. Sure, and if anyone has any questions, feel free to contact me. All my information is on the Beginning Farmer app and the ACES website. Thank you so much. This has been a production of Alabama Extension at Auburn University.